Facebook and he wrote sitting on the ash heap of God's mercies and if he never blesses me again he's done too much and I remember reading that and I, I tell ladies everywhere I go I'm not a speaker my husband is, is the one that has that gift and he he could tell our story so much better than I could in fact I remember he spoke for one of the men's meetings the preachers meetings y'all had him back shortly after his wreck and I couldn't go with him, but I, I was sitting at home with the girls, and we watched him over live stream or Facebook or something. And he got up, and he, he was talking about, um, they were talking about Job. And he said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. God's been so faithful to us. And I've got um, five beautiful children, three beautiful grandchildren, and a husband who loves me. And not just faithful to me and my family, but faithful to the Lord. Through all that we've been through, I don't think I've ever heard him even doubt, waver. I mean, he has just been a rock through it all. And I just wanted to start by saying that. I mean, um, there was nothing better that Miss Connie could have said that would make me feel good than saying that she loved me. I was thinking on the way over here, it's such an honor that she even asked me to speak to you guys. And I know some of the young people have heard me a lot, and I hope you don't. Um, get bored with what I'm saying tonight because you've heard a little bit of my testimony at the camp. And by the way, we love that you send them. Um, I met Philip at camp working for his dad when I was only 12. And I tell people that I fell in love with him when he told me that he wanted to be a pastor because mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a pastor's wife. And we just celebrated 31 years. Mm -hmm. um, so camp is very special to us. Philip was a pastor when I married him. He preached in LJ, Georgia for 15 years. And I know you guys are going to understand when I say we got very comfortable there. We had a ministry that we loved. In fact, Blaine Hooper was at our church. Many of you know, grew up in our, our little Christian school. He's such a blessing, by the way. Mm -hmm. And um, we just loved it there. We loved our people. We loved our school. We had about 150 students. And um, I had gone back to school. I went to Tennessee Temple and got my degree in education with a proficiency in math. But we wanted to get our little school um, accredited. So I went back to school and got my master's and my specialist in educational administration through Lincoln Memorial University. And it just seemed like all of my dreams were coming true. I became an administrator. Everything was going great, and the Lord just stirred our nest a little bit. My father-in-law was getting into his 80s, and they needed somebody to help at the camp. And so we ended up full circle back at camp. Um, he is a pastor again. I'm knocking something over here. He is a pastor again at Pleasant Grove Baptist Church, but we're still... Uh, running the camp. As many of you know, the tornado came through a year after we moved up there. And so it, it was just, God just took care of us. The, a local church needed a pastor and they called Philip and so that met our needs financially for our little family. We had all four of our daughters were at home then. And now he's pastoring a church again, but we're still running the camp and we love it, love it, love it. 
um, I've seen the Lord do a great work in, in kids' hearts in a week of camp. He's come up to me and say, the Lord called my husband to be a missionary at Sand Mountain Bible Camp. I was saved at Sand Mountain Bible Camp 30 years ago. So we're just so excited to be a part of that, and we're glad that you send your kids there and that we just get a little part in ministering to them. And, and we love the Cofields. They come up every year, and she and her husband will probably know what a blessing they are in Philip and I's life, just their faithfulness to the Lord. I know that they can say over the years, you just see so many fall by the way, and they get out of the ministry, but the Cofields have remained faithful. Mm -hmm. um, and so Philip and I have been married 31 years, I said, and the other day we went out to celebrate, and a man came up to us and he said, 31 years, you know, what's your secret? And he looked at me first, so I said, I said, forgiveness. And so then he looked at Philip and said, okay, what's the secret? And he was asking Philip, Philip sat there and thought for a little bit, and he said, asking her forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> but I do appreciate God's faithfulness to me and the faithfulness of my husband and what he's meant to me. When they first asked me to come, she told me that your thing tonight was a circle of friends, so I had been studying, and I thought, oh, good, I get to speak on something different. I'm going to speak on friendship tonight, and I started studying, and I'm going to share a little bit with you. But Brother Cofield wrote on the Facebook today, Miss Tracy is coming to share her testimony. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so the Lord started in my heart, and I said, Philip, what do I need to do? And he said, I think you need to share your testimony. And even though many of your teenagers have heard my testimony, I mean, some of your faces are very new to me, and so you just pray for me tonight. I want to be an encouragement to you. I love ladies' meetings. I think this is important, ladies, Amen. that we come together and encourage one another. In fact, when I was studying, I wrote down all the things the Lord tells us to do for one another in Christ. We're to edify one another, exhort one another, encourage one another. We're to provoke each other to good works. My favorite one is we are to love each other fervently. We are to forgive one another. We are to strengthen one another. We're to be here for one another. And in fact, the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I think Jesus is coming soon. And we need to have unity. I loved hearing you laughing. When I was studying for the lesson on friends, one of the things I was reading, research on friends, and it was talking about how friendships and having a good network of friends can affect your health as much as not being overweight and not smoking. I didn't know that. They said people who have a good network of friends live 22% longer than those who are considered lonely and do not have many friends. I mean, I, I just kept reading this stuff about how good it was to have companions, to have friendships, to laugh with one another, even to spend time with your mothers and have that bond of friendship. And friendships are so important. And this, what we're doing tonight is important. So you pray for me. Pray the Lord will guard every word that comes out of my mouth and that it will be an encouragement to you um, in your walk with Christ. You know, what God wants us to do is leave here and be better witnesses for Him. And that's, I hope that my testimony will be an encouragement to you and I, I hope I'm not scattered. I told one group of ladies, I spoke one time and I asked my daughters, I have four daughters, my oldest two are married, and then my two teenage daughters, Jana's fixing to turn 18, Joy's 16, and they're like night and day. In fact, they bought little night and day rings that go on their finger. One of them is night and one of them is day. <laughs> so I finished speaking, and, and Joy was so encouraging. She said, Mama, you did such a good job. And then I looked at Jenna, and she said, Well, since you asked. <laughs> but she keeps me straight, and she told me tonight, she said, Don't chase rabbits, and then chase another rabbit with that rabbit. And so that's what I'm going to try to do. So y'all pray for me. That's, I said all that to just say pray for me. Um, when... When our accident happened four years ago, 
Um, one of the things that it did to me is it put me flat on my back for several months. In fact, the hospital did not want to let me go. But I was in Atlanta, and my children and my family were in Chattanooga, and I was just heartbroken to be with my family. So they said, we well, are going to have to have 24-hour care. Um, and let me tell you this, ladies. My, my children never even made a meal until September. Our, our wreck happened in June. Never made a meal, and I was never alone. Day and night, my ladies would stay with me day and night in the hospital, and then when I came home, they would come in early in the morning, and they would stay with me all day because my husband wasn't able to take care of me, and I needed 24-hour care. And they would come in, and they would take care of me. But one of the things that I missed was my church family. Don't ever take this for granted. Mm -hmm. I, I teach a little junior girls Sunday school class now, and I love those girls with all my heart. And if you ever saw them, you know they, they know Miss Tracy loves them. I miss them so much. You know, I said I wasn't a speaker earlier, but, you know, whatever we're asked to do for Christ, when we have an opportunity, I tell my girls, even if it's cleaning the toilets at camp, and that's really bad, but <laughs> I tell them, I'm, I'm like, do it with joy in your heart. Do it as unto the Lord, because it is an honor to serve Jesus. And I would lay in that bed, and I would miss my church family so much. And I can remember asking God, why? You know, I was trying to serve you, and why have you set me up on this shelf for some period of time? But, you know, don't take that for granted. I always think of Elijah. Do you remember Elijah was saying, you know, woe is me, I'm the only one serving God. And God said, oh, no, there's 7,000 more, and I've got your replacement waiting. And that kept going through my head, you know, when I was struggling even to get back into doing what I was doing. You know, there's a, somebody can replace me. God is going to fulfill his will with or without me. But I really want to be a part of his work and what he wants me to do. And so never take that for granted, ladies, this wonderful, and not all churches have this kind of fellowship. Uh, when we moved up to camp, we were trying to look for a local church, and we learned that very quickly. Not many churches are preaching the word of God. There were several times me and Philip just looked at each other and said, what in the world? And so not many places have the kind of fellowship you do. Don't ever take that for granted. Um, I, I entitled my testimony, Lessons in Suffering. Before our wreck, I, I mean, we had had really difficult times in our lives. But God has taught me lessons about suffering in our physical bodies. And, you know, I don't know where you are today. I, I, don't, I know that there's so many ladies sitting here that I know that you have to, some of you have to be in some deep valleys. You know, maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's even a separation from a friend. You know, maybe it's a betrayal. Maybe it's taking care of a, a parent. You can't take care of themselves anymore. Maybe it's a child with special needs like, like I have. That's, you know, things come into our life. We don't understand them. We don't understand how God is working. We don't understand how he's moving. But several years ago, we did a um, study on Esther. And I spoke before some ladies, and I was talking to them about my little boy, Ryan, who was born with Down syndrome. They asked me to come and give my testimony, and they specifically wanted me to talk about that. It was, it was Barbara Russell's church. Do y'all know Miss Barbara Russell? They're with Rock of Ages now. But, so I spoke there, and I gave my testimony. And one of the things that I, I told these ladies is that, you know, Esther was living in very dark days, probably days we can't even imagine. She'd been taken from her country. We don't know how her family was were killed. You know, it might have been when she was taken into Babylon, but we do know she was an orphan. Um, then she was taken from Mordecai. They were living in the days with a very evil king. They were walking through the shadow of death with the whole nation of Israel. So she knows what it, what it meant to, to be in a dark place, to be in a place where she didn't understand. And when you read the book of Esther, I know y'all heard this millions of times, the word God is not in there. 
and there's no great miracles, but we do know that it is a story of God preserving his children, right? We know that all throughout the book of Esther, he is working to preserve his people. And ladies, even when we don't see him working in our lives, he is working. He is working in our lives to perform his will. And you know, he would have preserved the nation of Israel without Esther. But because Esther was willing and she submitted to what God wanted for her, um, God was able to use her. I wrote this verse down. You say, well, how do you know, Miss Tracy? How do you know God's working? You know, you say that, but how do you know? And I'm going to quote a lot of scripture tonight, so if you want to write them down, you can go back and read them and study them. But Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Ladies, he's working in our lives. In fact, Philip asked me that. He said, well, what do you want the ladies to know when you finish speaking and giving your testimony, Tracy? And I told him, I said, I want them to know that even if they don't see God or understand where God has them, even if they can't make sense of their circumstances, that he is faithful and that he is working all things together for their good. And I can tell you in the last few years, if I've learned anything else, it's that our lives can change so quickly, very quickly. Some of you have already mentioned that tonight. Um, just this past week, we lost a dear friend, Eric Winslow. He, he preaches up north, and he had been a pastor for 22 years. <laughs> was helping his mother at her home and died suddenly of a heart attack. Um, his wife was about four hours away. Her name was Gina. Y'all pray for her, Miss Gina. Um, life changed completely for her in just a moment. I mean, she lost the love of her life. We were at um, speaking at a meeting the other day with some, some deaf men, and I didn't even hardly want to give my testimony because one of the men had just buried their son. He was only 17, and he was killed in a hunting accident by his friend. The other man had a 21-year-old son that committed suicide. And he told us, he said, I, I had no idea that he was depressed. I had no idea that anything was wrong. One of our school teachers at Grace, Miss Rogers, found out she had breast cancer. And within a week, she'd had a double mastectomy. And she had already had her first treatments of chemo. And life can change very quickly. She worked for RESA. I don't know how many of you know that, but it's, uh, they, they work with teachers, with resources for teachers and training. And, you know, she had her year all planned out, and she was very excited. It's been a new job for her. And then all of a sudden, she goes just for her yearly mammogram, and her life changed completely. So our lives can change so quickly. And I tell people, the day we had our wreck, our lives completely changed. And God changed our lives a lot and changed me a lot. But God didn't change. Um, sometimes when you go through bad things like this, there are some pitfalls you can fall into in suffering. Um, I call them the terrible D's. Number one, you start doubting who God is. You forget that he's faithful. In fact, I wrote some verses down, and I want, I want you to get these. I want, to, I want you to get these. By the way, I want you to know this too. The Bible tells us that we are going to suffer, by the way. Man's days are few and full of trouble. That's Job 14.1. And we know that Job knew a lot about suffering. And then Paul told Timothy, said, he said, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We're going to have hard times. It rains on the just and the unjust. Some people have asked me, have, do you ever ask God why me? And I said, no. I say, why not me? I mean, I realize that bad things happen. But I have asked God why. You know, why has this happened? What are you doing in my life? But I'm going to be able um, to give you these scriptures. So let me get there really quickly. I don't want y'all to miss it. Um, sorry, I'm trying to get where I am. Philip gave me his iPad to put my notes on. So it would be fun when I'm sitting in this chair and my notes slide that way. Um, 
But the first one is doubt. We doubt who God is. We doubt his goodness. We doubt his mercy. And I'll give you those verses in just a second. Then we become discouraged. Um, the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Then we become disgruntled. We start comparing our lives to others' lives. It's hard for me to sit in this chair, and I'm going to be very honest with you ladies tonight. It's hard for me to sit in this chair and just watch you walk around and fellowship. Um, I was very active before our accident. In fact, I, the night before our accident, I ran three miles. I was trying to be in shape, and I was, I was one of those moms who runs around. You know, We as ladies, we've got to fix everything, and everything's got to be in order. I was one of those ladies. And if we're not careful, we can get very disgruntled, even jealous of others. Um, you remember Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha was telling Jesus, if you'd only been here, if only. By the way, there is nothing uglier than a Christian who's disgruntled and, and they've forgotten the provincy of God and the sovereignty of God and that he is working in their lives and they become ungrateful. You know, when we get disgruntled like that, we become ungrateful. And there's nothing uglier. Have you ever seen a child that's ungrateful? Nothing worse. Uh, and a Christian who becomes ungrateful. And then we become discontent. You know, why me? Why am I in this situation? God, why didn't you work this out? Why didn't you perform some great miracle for me? And we forget that every breath we breathe is a gift. Um, Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. So we don't want to be discontented. And then we get distracted. Ladies, we do, and when I say distracted, we start looking at the things around us and we forget that we're supposed to be serving Christ. We, we lose our focus. Let me put it that way. There was this old teacher that used to teach it, and I didn't mean to say it that way, at, at Grace, older lady. I say that because she had been a missionary. She'd come off the field. She was teaching for us. She would never even tell anybody her age. When she passed away, we <coughs> know that she was in her upper 80s, still teaching sixth grade for us. And when I would come to her, I would come to her sometimes because she was a missionary and she had a lot of wisdom. And I wanted that wisdom. And she would say, Tracy, focus. Sometimes she wouldn't even be listening to what I'm talking about. But, you know, this, but that, but that. And she would say, Tracy, focus. You're, you're losing your focus. You know, the Bible tells us not to lay up treasures here on earth, but to lay up treasures in heaven. My daddy used to say it this way. You know, our lives are like a vapor. He'd say, Tracy, you fret over too much. Our lives are like a vapor. It's here and it's gone. Mm -hmm. And he said, you have to remember to focus on Christ. Um, lay up yourself treasures in heaven. And then the last one I put is despair. Then we get in despair. By the way, ladies, we're not to love this world that we live in. We're just, we're just pilgrims here. We're just passing through here. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Um, but then we get in despair. And I, I told you at the beginning, God wants us to be more effective witnesses for Christ. Well, Satan wants the exact opposite. He wants us doubting and depressed and disgruntled and wondering what he's doing in our lives and doubting who he is. And when he gets us in despair, then at times we can become totally ineffective for Christ. And that's where Satan wants us as children. So I, I, I know I gave a big introduction, but I really only have two points for you tonight in my testimony. Um, when things come into our lives that change very quickly, um, and I mentioned it already once, is we have to remember who God is. My mother died um, at the 1st of June, and I had just started a new job there in Trenton, and I was very excited about it. I had stopped teaching for a little bit while because my little boy, Ryan, was born, and he had Down syndrome, and I wanted to be with him. I knew this is my last child. I want to spend my time with him. And we were on the way to my mother's funeral, and it was a really sad day. 
But it was also exciting because my husband was going to be able to share the gospel with my family. Many of my nieces and nephews are not in church, do not know the Lord, and I was just so excited about that opportunity. And one thing that we always talk about when we tell the story is it was a, such a beautiful day. And when I tell this story, you guys, a lot of times when I start talking about our story, it does seem like a tragedy. It, it seems so hard to even speak to you. But as I talk, you'll understand it, it's really a story of God's mercy and grace. It's a beautiful love story, me and my husband. Um, and you'll see how good God was to us. So some of y'all are looking so in so despair. And, and I want to say it would have been easier for me to just talk about friendship tonight. This, this is hard to share sometimes. And, you know, I don't even remember. We, we had gone into Dawsonville. We were going to have a small funeral for my mother um, at my sister's house. It was just going to be mostly friends and family. And we were five minutes away, and my sister and I were on the phone, and she said, I can't wait to see you. Let's have lunch after. And um, if any of you know me, I love my sister and my younger sister. And I was just very excited about the day in a way. And I don't remember the accident, but I do remember looking up, and the first thing that I saw in the van, I, well, first thing I heard was that crunch. Have you ever heard of it? Just that crunch of metal. And then I saw, I looked up and I saw a bone sticking in the dashboard right in front of me. And my first thought was that my life was never going to be the same. And then I said, God, help my family. I, and my third thought was, where did that bone come from? I had no idea. I was thinking, where did, I, don't, I don't know where it came from. But I knew I was badly injured. And I was concerned about my family. And I looked over at my husband. And he was just laying on the steering wheel and his his jaw had been crushed and he would he wouldn't wake up i tried to wake him up and he wouldn't wake up and and i told the lord i said lord please please don't take him from me and my children were in the back all four of our children except our oldest child my second oldest child wasn't married at the time and i could hear my little boy screaming he was only three at the time and he wanted me he was screaming mom and i, I turned around and my daughter leah she's the oldest was stuck between the seats and she said mom He's okay. He, he's just a little scared. Um, Jana had, had passed out. She had a big gash on her head, so she was passed out. And I can remember I was just trying to keep my children calm. I didn't want them to see what had happened to me. I didn't want them to. I could. My right leg was shoved into my lap, and I could just see my ankle was exposed. I could see my bones, and my ankle was exposed. And I don't know what the Lord does for you, you guys, but God gave me such a peace during that time. I didn't feel any pain. Um, I, I didn't panic. Um, I just kept praying, Lord, help us. Um, and a man came to our door, to my door, and uh, he started helping me. And I said, "Please get my children out of here. I can smell the gas. I can, I, I'm, I just, I just knew the car was going to explode." And um, Joy had gotten out of the car. She was only 11 at the time, and she started calling people to try to get a hold of them. And I remember seeing her on the other side of the road, and I can remember thinking, "I'm, I'm never going to see Joy again." And. Uh, I tried to wake my husband up again, and he finally came to, and he started unbuckling his seatbelt, and he stood up out of the car, and he just kind of slumped in, into the pavement. And the first the words out of his mouth was, God, help my family. I tell people all the time, you know, he wasn't yelling, he wasn't screaming, he wasn't in despair. He was just praying, God, help my family. And he kept saying, I love you, Tracy, I love you. And so they had gotten all the kids out of there, and I looked at the gentleman, and I said, please get me out of here. And he said, he said, no, we can't get you out. They're going to have to come and cut you out. And I can remember just feeling like I'm not, I'm not going to make it. And so I finally went unconscious when they cut me out. And they put me on the gurney and put me in the ambulance with my husband. And I remember reaching for him. And he said, I'm here. He said, I'm here, Tracy. And 
Then they transferred us very quickly to a helicopter. By the way, there were five of us, and we went to four different hospitals. Um, but that day, in my mind, I just kept thinking, okay, my daughters are going to take care of my little ones. Everything's going to be okay. And in my mind, I really thought me and Philip were going to go. In fact, I always tell people, you know, my first thought was, we're going to go see Jesus together. And my husband has been a pastor now for 33 years. And when he would be with someone dying, I was there with him many times. In fact, I was in the room with him when he was with my aunt. And he would always quote Psalms 23 to people, especially people who were struggling. My aunt was struggling when she passed away. And she had done some things in her life, and she said, I just don't know how you know, a, a righteous God can forgive me. And he kept saying, Terry, God loves you. If you've put your faith in him, when you close your eyes, but he's going to be the first face you see. And he, he started telling her, he said, just close your eyes and go into the arms of the shepherd. And he started quoting Psalms 23 to her as she passed away. So all I knew to do is I grabbed Philip's arm and I started quoting Psalms 23 to him. And I just knew in my heart that we were going to go to heaven that day. Um, just to make a very long story short, um, I got to the hospital, and by that time I had gone out, and I, I didn't remember a lot from then. But when I was in my coma, I had lost so much blood, they kept me in a drug-induced coma, and they kept trying to build my blood up trying, so they could do surgery on my injuries. Uh, in fact, Blaine was at the hospital that time. I don't know if Holly came, but I know Blaine came to see us a couple of times. And uh, I could remember people coming in and out of my room, and I could remember them talking. But, of course, I, was, I couldn't respond, and I couldn't move. But I remember telling God, you know, this is such a dark place, God. I'd, I'd never been in a place like that. In fact, I was thinking, this must be what hell's like, to be completely alone. And no one can hear me, and no one can talk. I can't, you know, communicate to them what I'm feeling. And it's like God brought back scripture to my mind. Have you ever read in Psalms 139 where he says, If I make my bed in the hell, thou art there? And it's like he reminded me, he said, Tracy, I'm here. I'll never leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. There were a lot of those days. I was in a coma for almost two weeks. There were a lot of those days that I don't remember anything. But that I specifically remember. And when I woke up, I told you how Philip had so much faith. And he was so faithful. And when I woke up, I was very confused. If you've ever had to have the drugs they give you, they make you have these vivid dreams. And they, want you to, they make you forget the pain, but you have these vivid dreams and you think they're real. But they brought me an iPad and they let Philip talk to me. And I told him, I said, I'm so afraid. And he said, Tracy, you know what? Sometimes in life, nobody can help you. Even these doctors don't have the answer. You know, they don't know what to do for you. But he said, sometimes you just have to rest in him and trust him. And you know what, ladies? When we get in those times of despair and those times where we don't understand where God is, that is what makes the difference of being in despair. And then being in a place of peace is trusting him. And like I said before, ladies, we like to control everything. We want, we want to fix things. We want to make them right. We want, we want things to be very organized. You know, I used to always be very concerned about how I appeared. I was a principal, and I wore my suits. suits and you don't think that you're that prideful. But then when you find yourself in a place where there's nothing you can even do for yourself, there was nothing I could do. And Philip's advice to me was, you're just going to have to rest in him. And there were so many days in the hospital, ladies. I don't know if you've ever been on a trauma floor, but we were on the trauma floor. And when I woke up, Dr. Henderson, he's the head of trauma there at Atlanta Medical, he came to me and he said, Ms. Traz, he, and he told me my injuries, I had broken both femurs, my left femurs, where the bone had come out. And I lost about five inches, but I damaged like 12 inches of my femur. So that was what was in the dash. So that car had hit us so hard 
that it broke both my femurs and, and that bone had literally popped out and was sticking in the dash. Broke my right ankle, just shattered it. It was in the open um, break. My right leg, my right arm had to be put in one of those exo fixators. Um, I broke both hips, my pelvis, my pubic bone, my sacrum. Pretty much from my waist down, I was crushed. And he said, he, he told me that I wouldn't probably walk again. And if I did, it would be six months or so before I could start even th start therapy. And of course, I just started weeping. And he said to me, he said, Miss Trask, you're, you're lucky to be alive. And he said, and you're not out of the woods yet. And neither is your husband. And then I was just crushed. I mean, I knew this is a place where I can't control anything. I did not understand what God was doing. I didn't, you know, sometimes we think when we're right in the middle of God's will and we're trying to do his will, sometimes bad things happen when we're right in the middle of God's will trying to do what we know what is right for him. I mean, think of the three Hebrew children. They were doing what God wanted them to do. Um, and, and many times that's where we find ourselves. You know, I, I don't know how many of you know Tim Lee, but he lost his legs in the war and he always tells his story and he says, I was running from God. And I told Brother Lee, I said, you know, you knew what God was doing. He turned you around that day. You became a preacher. You started walking with God. I said, it's so hard for me, Brother Lee, to understand what God is doing. You know, I have a three-year-old who needs me. I have two daughters at home who need me. And they were only 11 and 13 at the time. And, you know, I, I wanted to be able to work for him again. And I wanted to be able to use to God. And I didn't understand. And I had to just rest in him. So when you get in these places, two things I want to say. One is you've got to remember who God is. You don't want to fall in those pitfalls. You've got to remember, number one, that he's faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. Even when I don't believe, he is faithful to me. Even when I don't trust him, he is faithful to me. The second thing you've got to remember is that he loves you. Romans 8.35-39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? In fact, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So he's faithful. He's loving. He's good. The Lord is good to all. Psalms 145.9. And his tender mercies are over all his works. He's merciful. Did you hear that, ladies? His mercies are over all of his works. That means he's not giving us what we deserve, which is hell. He's being merciful to us. And it says it's over all of his works. Um, and like I said, when we forget these things, you become full of self-pity, you become bitter, it can rob you of your joy. The second thing I want you to remember is what he's doing. Remember who he is, and then remember what he was do he's doing. He has a plan for each of it. You know, even though I don't want to admit it, you guys, God had that planned for our lives. I know that because Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And when we say good man there, we know none of us are good, but God looks at us and he sees Jesus we that are saved. And he's saying, the steps of a saved man are ordered by the Lord. And that's hard for me to swallow, that God knew what was going to happen that day. He could have changed it. You know, he could have had her, the lady that hit us was, was adjusting her GPS, is what she said. And just she said she doesn't even remember swerving and hitting us. Her car was hardly dented. Our van was just mutilated. She walked away without, without a scratch. And some, one, one comment that she made was, well, I'm a grandmother. And I, and I thought, well, I'm a grandmother too. You know, my, my humanity came out. And I was just like, you know, it's just not fair. What, you know, I, but I have to remember that it was planned for me. This was all planned for me. Even though, do you understand what I mean when that's hard to swallow? You know, we want good things. And we want good things for our children. So when something terrible happens, 
sometimes it's hard to say, you know, this is what God had planned. Um, I love Psalms 139, and I, I'm going to wrap up as quick as I can. Many of you know I had a little boy with Down syndrome. When we had left our, our home in Ella J., Ms. Cofield mentioned we had been through a lot of trials. Jana had just been diagnosed with epilepsy, and we were reeling from that. She'd been having lots of seizures. They were trying to find the right medication. She was very little at the time, I think only eight, and we were kind of reeling from that, and we had just told our church we were leaving, so we were fixing to leave our home church. And we lost a little baby. Her name was Georgia Summer. So we were still kind of reeling from that. And we came up to camp on a, on a Sunday night, and we started camp on a Monday morning. <laughs> and we were trying to help, and my mind just wasn't there, and I kept thinking, okay, God, what are you doing? And then a couple of months later, we had some good friends that were murdered by their son-in-law. And so our minds were just so full of so much. We didn't have a home church. We, we were feeling very lonely, and I was... I was really grieving the loss of our baby, and then the tornadoes hit. You guys know about the tornadoes that hit, and they, we lost seven buildings at the camp, and it destroyed 2,500 trees. FEMA wouldn't help us. Volunteers came in and, and started helping us. In fact, the men of your church helped him in such a great way. In fact, it's wonderful to look at the camp, even as bad as it looks now, and realize everything that was done was a volunteer who loved the Lord who came in to help us. So our minds were just reeling, and a couple of weeks after the wreck, um, I found out I was pregnant. And I hadn't been feeling good, and my girls kept saying, you're pregnant, Mom. And I was 42. Don't judge. <laughs> I was 42 years old. And then when I was about 16 weeks, in fact, let me go back to step. I'd started putting together this beautiful nursery. I was so excited. I'd never been able to do that. We just never had the means to do that before. And my husband was like, Tracy, it's too early. And so I started putting together this beautiful little nursery. And when I found out it was a boy, we were so excited because we have four girls. But at 16 weeks, they called me and they said, Mrs. Trask, um, I hate to tell you, but your little boy has Down syndrome. And it wasn't the word Down syndrome I was scared of. I, I'd grown up with a young girl who had Down syndrome. We were very close. But you ladies know what it's like to be pregnant, and you want your baby to be perfect. You want them to be healthy. You, want them, you, know, you just want good things for them. And my heart just sank. And I closed that nursery door, and I'm ashamed to say it, I wouldn't go back in. And we went, we visited this little church one day, and the man was speaking about Abraham and Isaac. And he said, you know what, ladies, if Abraham had not been willing to sacrifice Isaac, then he wouldn't have seen the blessings of God. Ladies, he, he challenged me that day. He said, if you're not willing to sacrifice whatever it is God wants from you, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me daily, then you're not going to see the blessings of God. And I, I, thought, I thought to myself, God just wants me to love this little baby, and I love babies. I can do that. So I went home and I, I opened the door and I put that verse on the, on, above his little bed and it's still there and it says, fearfully and wonderfully made. But there's another part of that verse that says we are curiously wrought. In our mother's room, we're curiously wrought. And I looked that up and it's a picture of a lady weaving a tapestry and she's carefully picking each color that she wants to make that beautiful tapestry that she has forming. And that's how God is with us ladies. He's carefully choosing what comes into our lives. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He's carefully choosing those things. And by the way, I said remember his plan, but also remember his purpose. And his purpose is not that we just have a fun, loving life and we're happy and we have a nice house and a nice car and we come to church and everything's, you know, roses. The purpose in our life is to conform us to the image of his dear son. Um, and I love the verse, and I can't even remember where it's found, but it says, And as for God, his way is perfect. Perfect. 
But write this verse down, Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his dear son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. His purpose is to conform us to the image of his son. Those things he brings into our life, even those tragedies that we do not understand, are all for a purpose. I don't understand now as I'm sitting in this chair why the Lord has me here. I do know this. Before the wreck, I asked God and I said, Lord, I was praying the prayer of Jabez and I was saying, Lord, enlarge my coast. Help me to have a better witness. Sometimes I felt like I was stuck on the camp, you know, and going to church and I was homeschooling my girls. So I wasn't able to get out into the community very much and I was saying, Lord, enlarge my coast. One thing that I do know is that I've been able to go and share my testimony. In fact, just this season since Mother's Day, I've been in 11 meetings and been able to share my story with people who were struggling maybe in, in a dark time and didn't understand what God was doing in their lives. One missionary lady I talked to, she's in Thailand, and she had lost two children in a wreck in a foreign country on the side of the road in a place where the hospitals are very poor, and she just couldn't understand. And she said to me, you know, Tracy, I just don't understand why God would take them, and I worry so much that they laid there and suffered. And when I told her my story, she said, it gave me such peace when you talked about how your adrenaline was flowing and God had just kept you free from pain, you know, for up to, it probably was 40, 30, 45 minutes before I was in the helicopter. And, you know, she shared her story. And, of course, when I hear stories like that, I always remember, you know, I didn't bury a husband that day. I didn't bury a child that day. You know, no matter how dark that time seemed. But I have to remember, everything he's doing is to conform me to the image of his dear son. Um, we went to Easter Sunday service shortly after Ryan was born. And one of the things that I was, I was just so afraid of the future for him. And I feel that same way now. I tell Philip if I'm this weak and I struggle this much with pain and, you know, getting in and out of the bed and, having, and showering and I struggle that way, what is it going to be like when I'm 60 and when I'm 70? And I worry about the future. We're all like that. But on Easter Sunday, they sang that song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. It's become very real to me. You know what? Even my little boy with Down syndrome, I can put him in the loving hands of a God who took care of Abraham and Isaac and Esther um, because he has a plan even for Ryan's life. And he's working everything for his good. Um, I wrote down these things. When you're in those times, remember God is your strength. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Saturate your life with scripture. Thy word is truth. Some people say when somebody's going through a hard time, don't preach at them with scripture. I needed it. I asked people to read scripture to me. When I was laying in the hospital bed, the ladies would come in and ladies, they would literally have to turn me put the bedpan under me, turn me back. And this was months and months from about June to September we did this. They would have to feed me. They would have to bathe me. Um, they did everything. I got to know my ladies a lot better than I really thought I would have to know my ladies at my church. And they got to know me very intimately. But they would do all these, these things for me. But the best thing that they did was sharing God's word with me. They would read God's word to me. Submit your life to his will. You know, Jesus even asked God why. It's not bad to ask why. He said, why, God, why is thou forsaken me? John the Baptist said, will you go ask and see if Jesus is really who he said he is? Um, but we have to keep in mind that Jesus did ultimately submit to the will of his Father. So submit to his will in your life. That's a hard one, ladies. I don't want y'all to think I'm there. I'm not here preaching at you. I'm not there yet. In a lot of these areas, God is working in my lives. Keep his purpose in mind and live with eternity in mind. Laying up those treasures in heaven. There's a song, and I know many of you have heard it before. 
and I'm going to read the words really quickly to end. It says, I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand, but even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. But God, when you choose to leave mountains unmoved, give me the strength to be able to sing, it is well with my soul. Amen. So lady, remember who he is and remember what he's doing in your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose for you.